You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coaches, it's Chrissy. I'm excited to be here with you today because I'm going to talk about something that is really important, especially this time of year. Um, If you're listening to this in real time, it is March. And if you're in Texas and in so many other states um, across the United States, it is testing season, Um, which is the worst. Let's just be honest. Testing season stinks. You don't get to do the good work of coaching anymore. You feel like you're just um, like a little test robot and the teachers feel the same way. It's horrible. And I have a lot of thoughts about testing culture and a lot of thoughts about, um, you know, politically why we do what we do. But that is not what this episode is about today. This is about two different models of testing support. So we're going to talk a little bit about the standard model of testing support that many coaches are asked to do. And then we're going to talk about two different ways that you can address providing support to those kids who need it in order to prepare for their test. So let's talk about what testing support currently looks like. Okay. Um, I want you to picture a dungeon. There's lots of torture materials on the wall. (laughs) Picture like very Game of Thrones-esque environment. That's how I feel about testing support. It's horrible. It's the worst. And it's, it's terrible for us. Can you imagine for the poor kids? that are growing through this drudgery day in, day out, and we have to do better than that. I Look, we know that that tests do have consequences for kids and teachers and schools, and a lot of them are really, really wrong. But we have to change, we have to change the way that we interact with this so that our kids can be successful and so that our kids will know that that is not the only thing that defines them. It doesn't define them at all, actually. It shows how they did on one test on one single day. And that's not what school is about, right? So we want them to be successful because failing every year is a horrible feeling. And whenever you're working inside the system, we want to help our kids have a positive um, vision of their own academic success. Not everybody is going to pass every year. That's just realistic. Some kids have got to close some big gaps, right? And so I just want you to kind of keep that in mind as we move into this testing conversation because we have to be realistic and we don't want to build our kids up and tell them that if they fail, it is their fault whenever it's not always their fault. It's really not. They sometimes have issues that are making it very difficult for them to get where they're going. They could have had really bad educational experiences in the past or trauma at home or at school. And we're not always, we they're not cookie cutters. They're people. And so anyway, that's just my tiny soapbox, something to keep in mind as we move into this conversation that I know some, so many of you coaches probably agree with anyway. I'm preaching to the choir here, but sometimes you just got to get your sermon out, right? Okay, so let's talk about um, what testing support usually looks like whenever scores are low and people want the coach to fix it. Because as a coach, I was held accountable to a degree for testing scores on my campus. It wasn't the way an administrator is held accountable, but I do know they started moving people back to the classroom when they weren't seeing growth. So that was, you know, the writing was on the wall, guys. And so you definitely wanted to make sure that your kids were improving for a lot of reasons, right? We already, we know how, what the ramifications of low scores are for kids and teachers in schools. So it can be a really stressful place. When you're in the classroom and you're responsible for your, your scores, that's stressful because they are children that you are asking to do something that often is not even developmentally appropriate. Whenever you are out of the classroom, 
and you're responsible for scores, that's stressful because you are dealing with adults who are dealing with children and you are just you're like it's it's just so complicated and complex and you understand why people are struggling and why kids are struggling but the the hammer is coming down on you right and so that can be a really stressful spot to be in and so the first knee jerk reaction that people usually have for instructional coaches is they say I want you to pull those kids out I want you to set up an intervention group I want you to pull them out 3 days a week or whatever and I have a few issues with this This is not to say that you would never do an intervention group. This is to say that I can see four basic problems with just pulling kids out of class to get intervention in your class like a little cave, okay? And this is the first one. You as a coach are impacting five children at a time. And that's not to say that five children are not important, but you've got a whole school full of kids and teachers and the future learning of those that the, all those teachers and all the kids they will ever impact and that's relying on you and instead you're sitting in a cave with five kids teaching them how to find me an idea is that making the impact that you want to make with your coaching work for me it was not i believed we could do better the second problem i see is it keeps you from doing work that impacts teachers over the long term so the coaching work that you're doing You want to have impact right now, of course. You want to impact classrooms and teachers. But you also want to impact teachers for the rest of their teaching career, which you can. Your role as a coach, you can do that. Kind of overlaps with the first one a little bit about impact. The idea is that if you're impacting a small group of students, you're not changing teaching and learning on your campus. And that's your role. My third issue with this is that it might not relate to what they're learning in the classroom at all. If you're teaching them one strategy for main idea and their teacher taught them a different strategy for main idea and then they go to take a quiz on Friday, what are they going to do? Are they going to do what you taught them? Are they going to do what the teacher taught them? Are they going to do neither? (laughs) Probably they're going to do neither because they're just so freaked out. They don't even know what am I supposed to do and when am I supposed to do it? It's too many expectations for the kids. And these kids need the most specific support. When there are too many cooks in the kitchen, that can be really overwhelming. My fourth problem with this is learning doesn't usually transfer from your room to the teacher's room. Many kids put learning in a box and they can say, oh, well, that's what we do in Miss Beltran's classroom. But whenever I go back to Miss Pineda's classroom, we do a totally different thing because Miss Pineda told me to do that. So they don't know how to apply learning from one context to another. You see it a lot in middle school whenever kids change classes. They are different people in different rooms and they bring different background knowledge. A lot of our kids don't don't integrate their learning. So with these kids who are struggling to perform at certain levels, why would we do that to them? Why would we confuse them so much? Why would we pull them, you know, jerk them around and, and expect them to transfer learning whenever that's something they're struggling to do from one lesson to the next? It just doesn't make sense to me. So I'm not saying you'll never pull kids out of classrooms for support because realistically, oh, you will. (laughs) But these are two different ways that we can impact kids and classrooms and change scores while still changing teaching and learning on our campus. And here's my first one. The first one is push in support. So instead of pulling kids out of the classroom, you yourself are pushing into the classroom. And here's how you do it. First, you identify classrooms in need of support. Okay, you use your test data. Um, I've got a lot of tips on episode eight that will help you identify which kids need support in which areas and uh, actually digging through that data to make a plan. So sit with a teacher, identify the class, the students who need support, 
identify the small group and decide which group you'll work with. This is not time for you to push into a classroom and the teacher to go make copies. This is about we are going to maximize the impact of small group by maximizing the the ratio of teacher to kids in the classroom. So we are both going to be working with small groups at the same time. So generally, you have a couple of groups that might be going on in any any classroom at any time in response to testing data. You might have a bubble group and a target group. And the way it was always explained to me, bubble groups are just right there on the surface. They could go either way. They're almost passing, but not quite. They need a little push to pass. The target group is significantly below that group. They are really struggling. They, we are hoping they make some gains, um, but they need a lot of support to get where they've got to get that year. And working on grade level has been something they haven't been able to do yet. So it may be a ways, you know, ways down the road that we get them where they need to go. So there are different schools of thought about who would work with which group. Some teachers will say, I want you to work with that target group because you know a lot of really specific things that would help them, and I feel like I don't know how to move them anymore. Or they might say the exact opposite. They could say, I want you to work with a bubble group because they're right there on the cusp, and I really believe just with a little push from you, then they can get there. So whatever the teacher wants to do, that's what I did because this is their classroom. They know their kids, and if they think there's a group of kids that's going to benefit from me, I'm going to work with that group. So now you've identified which group you're working with, bubble or target, and you are present in the classroom while the teacher teaches the whole group lesson, okay? So there's a whole group mini lesson. You watch and participate if you are asked to. It kind of depends on what support the teacher's looking for at that time. If they want co-teaching support, go for it. That's ideal. Then you work with one group, the teacher works with one small group, and then there's a group of kids who are working independently. While you are working with your group, you are delivering a lesson, either one that you've planned or the teacher has planned or you plan together that is specifically focused on that group of students' needs. But here's the beautiful part. I have heard whenever I'm working in small groups with kids, and I keep my voice down, I do a whisper voice because I don't want to be distracting to the kids who are working independently. But you know, teachers have those teacher ears and they hear everything. So if I say to a group of kids, I want you to put your finger on the evidence and show me how you know. If I say that, two minutes later from across the room, I can hear the teacher whisper to her students, I want you to put your finger on the evidence and show me how you know. That was not even, it was like a soft sell, guys. I was not even trying to teach the teacher that strategy. I was not trying to coach the teacher in that language. But just by being present in her room, she picked up these things and started applying them immediately with kids. And that's how we change teaching and learning. Not by pulling kids into a cave and doing intervention in isolation, but by doing intervention in the actual classroom. They echo you because they start hearing value in the way that you're interacting with kids. So that's one tip. My second approach for providing testing support to kids that actually impacts teaching and learning on your campus. This one's a big shift go, okay? It's very different than the way a lot of schools approach this, but it's something that I have personally done and I have seen an impact in kids and teachers. I'm going to give you an example. I don't even know what to call this model, but it's, <laughs> I'm going to give you an example of what it looks like. So in Texas, we have the STAR test, dun, 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 the State of Texas Assessment of Academic Readiness, and it's rough. And every year, literally, the standard goes up of what is considered passing, okay? Um, so for several years, we saw a group of kids who was unsuccessful on the first round of testing in fifth grade, but then they get another opportunity. So 
the way it works in Texas is the kids test. They used to test in February. Now I think they test in March. So they test in March on a first round in fifth grade. And the kids who pass, yay, you're done. You're set. Good for you. The kids who did not pass that first round have another opportunity to take the test. However, you don't know who failed until about two and a half weeks before the second administration. So you're scooting along teaching and hopefully continuing to intervene because you know which of your kids need support. And then bam, you get your list of kids who were unsuccessful on the first round and who now feel horrible and who, if they were not motivated before, are really not motivated now because failure motivates no one, right? So this is how we approach that. We had a significant number of kids the first couple of years and um, kids who needed to retake that second time. So this is what we did. I identified a teacher in the grade level who could be supported by team teaching or co-teaching with me. A teacher that I thought, you know what, if this teacher had some co-teaching support, we would really see an impact on teaching and learning in her classroom or in his classroom. So I identified the teacher and I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We are going to take your kids who did not pass. And we are also going to take other kids who did not pass. And we are going to do a highly focused set of instruction between now and the second round in order to get these kids some basic skills that will help them be successful. So we grouped the kids based on what support they needed to pass the second round. And we met as a partnership. We planned based on data. We delivered lessons together and we worked with small groups. So we had whole group lessons and then small groups. And we were always changing who was working with who. It was very fluid because we wanted kids to get the best of teaching. And whoever could offer the best of teaching in that moment, that's who was working with that group of kids. So we had all the kids pulled together. It was about 20 students, I think 18 in a room. And we had some very targeted lessons that were focused on their areas of need based on the limited data we got back from the assessment and also any data that we had from the classroom teacher from their mock testing. And so based on that information, we were able to deliver really focused lessons that would help kids be successful. And through that model, we usually saw a very high proportion of the kids um, be successful on the second round. But not only that, it impacted teaching and learning in that other teacher's classroom. And it impacted teaching and learning in that teacher's classroom for years because they learned things through that collaboration of two solid weeks that I would not have been able to share with them over a shorter amount of time. This was daily work, guys. This was like restructuring our schedule. It was very intensive, but it's what the kids needed and it provided the support to that teacher. I could have pulled out that group of kids and done it myself, but it would not have changed teaching and learning in that classroom over the long run. So It's a hard shift to make. It's a big one, but I really recommend that you take a look at it if you have a significant group of kids that need support in a grade level. It might be a way to support a teacher and kids at the same time. New teachers work really well for that approach because they are, they're ready to just work alongside you and try out new things. And so it's a really good, refreshing way to work with a new teacher. Okay, so just something to keep in mind. Um, Your next steps I want you to go on to my show notes. I want you to visit my blog. And in the show notes, I have the digging into data resource that will help you identify 
the whole group and small group support that your classrooms need after taking an assessment. So this is a really good place to start whenever you're thinking about how to follow up on that data. And you can also go back and listen to episode eight because it gives a lot of specific tips about digging into data and how to identify what you're gonna work on and who you're going to work with in whole group and small group. So whichever approach of these you try out, um, that data will support you in figuring out who's gonna do what, okay? Those are your next steps. I want you to um, go back to your work this week and just try not to be too bummed about testing. It's horrible and we all hate it, but you can make it better for teachers and kids and you can still impact coaching and learning, teaching and learning on your campus in the long run, even whenever you're providing testing support. So have a great week and happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.